Uh, you're going to open up your Bibles to Luke 24. Luke 24. We'll be reading from 44 through 53. Luke 24. Luke 24. Luke 24, 44 through 53. All right. Then he said... When I was with you before, I told you everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem, there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Then Jesus led them to Bethany and lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshipped him and then returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. And they spent all their time in the temple praising God. The word of God for the people of God. Let's all stand together as we sing grace greater than our sin.
Please be seated. Aren't you so thankful for grace? It's an amazing thing. Uh, way back in the dim, dark, misty recesses of the past, when I was the associate pastor here, uh, I had uh, one of my good friends uh, every Sunday. Uh, they, would, uh, they would look at me and they would ask, uh, what are you preaching on today? And I would look at them and I would say, sin. And they would look back at me and they would say, are you for it or against it? Uh, and, and, you know, I think a lot of us think about sin as whether we're for it or against it. Uh, and, and I think that's the wrong message that Jesus is telling us in this passage about what are we supposed to be doing as followers of Jesus? As his witnesses, are we supposed to be pointing out people's sins or are we supposed to be doing something totally different? Uh, and for a lot of us, we don't, I mean, we use that word sin so much, we, we don't even think about it a whole lot. And for people who haven't grown up in the church, people who don't come, they don't really even know what sin is. So let's look at a video and, uh, and, and see what exactly I sin is. a lot to say about how me a huge crash of the computer as we want to uh, show that, but um, we're going to be a little bit, do what? I have to punt uh, with, with that. Uh, that was a good, y'all all understand sin a lot better now, right? Um, after, after watching uh, the video, uh, but basically it's a broken relationship. It's a broken relationship that something we have done breaks that relationship, and usually it's our selfishness, our selfishness that breaks the relationship that we have with God or our neighbor. We know what we should be doing, but we do Most our own anyway. assume the Bible has a lot to say about how messed up humans are, and that's true. It's also true that the Bible's vocabulary about this topic sounds odd to modern people, using words like sin, iniquity, or transgression. And so the Bible's perspective on the human condition is often ignored or treated as ancient and backwards. This is really unfortunate, because through these words, the biblical authors are offering us a deeply profound diagnosis of human nature. Iniquity describes behavior that's crooked, while transgression refers to breaking trust. And sin, this is actually the most common of these bad words in the Bible. So let's focus on it for a few minutes. Sin translates the Hebrew word chata and the Greek word hamartia. The most basic meaning of sin isn't religious at all. Chata simply means to fail or miss the goal. Like when the Israelite tribe of Benjamin trained a small army of slingshot experts, they could sling a stone at a hare and not chata, that is fail or miss. Or there's a biblical proverb that warns against making hasty decisions because you're likely to chata your way, miss your destination. 
So in the Bible, sin is a failure to fulfill a goal. But what's the goal? Well, on page one of the Bible, we learn that every human is an image of God, a sacred being who represents the creator and is worthy of respect. And so in this way of seeing the world, sin is a failure to love God and others by not treating them with the honor they deserve. You can see this idea in the famous code of conduct given to the Israelites, the Ten Commandments. Half of them identify ways you can fail at loving God, and the other half name ways you can fail at loving people. And the fact that both kinds of failure are combined shows that failing to honor God is deeply connected to failing to honor people. This is why in the Bible, sin against people is sin against God. Like when Joseph refuses to sleep with the wife of Potiphar, he says, how could I sin against God? In Joseph's mind, failing to honor a human made in God's image is a failure to love God. And so, sin is a failure to be truly human. But there's more. A fascinating thing about sin in the Bible is that most of the time that people are failing, they either don't know it, or even worse, they think they're succeeding. Like when Pharaoh wants to build Egypt's economy and protect national security, in his mind, this justifies enslaving the Israelites. He thinks it's good, and he's totally unaware that it's an epic fail. Or when King Saul is chasing David around the wilderness trying to kill him, he thought he was bringing a criminal to justice until he realizes he's the corrupt one. And he says, I have sinned. I am the failure. So sin is about more than just doing bad things. It describes how we easily deceive ourselves and spin illusions to redefine our bad decisions as good ones. So why are humans such bad judges between moral failure and success? Well, the first appearance of the word sin in the Bible offers an insight. There are these two brothers, Cain and Abel. Their parents had just given in to this beastly temptation to redefine good and evil by their own wisdom, and now Cain is faced with a similar choice. He's jealous and angry that God has favored his brother, and so God warns him, if you don't choose what is good, Chata is crouching at the door, it wants you but you can rule over it. So in these stories, sin, or moral failure, is depicted as this wild, hungry animal that wants to consume humans. And we know how that story ends. The Bible is trying to tell us that failed human behavior, our tendency towards self-deception, it runs deep. It's rooted in our desires and selfish urges that compel us to act for our own benefit at the expense of others. And it leads to this chain reaction of relational breakdown. This is why in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul describes hamartia as a power or a force that rules humans. In his words, we are slaves to sin. He even says sin lives in us so that the things I don't want to do, that's what I do. So with the word sin, the biblical authors are offering a robust description of the human condition. It's a failure to be humans who fully love God and others. It's our inability to judge whether we're succeeding or failing. And it's that deep, selfish impulse that drives much of our behavior. This is not a pretty picture of ourselves, but if we're honest, it's realistic. This is why in the Bible, the story of Jesus is such good news. He's depicted as the creator become a truly human one who did not fail to love God and others. That is, he did not sin. And yet, he took responsibility for humanity's history of failure. He lived for others and he died for their sins. And he was raised from the dead to offer them the gift of his life that covers for their failures. Or in the words of the apostles, he committed no sin, Yet he carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to our sins and live to do what is right. And that's the story behind the biblical word for sin.
Bible tells us that all sin and fall short of the glory of God. We are all missing the mark in how we are loving God and loving others. Uh, and so often as followers of Jesus Christ, we want to point out other people's failings, right? But Jesus, as he's going up to heaven, tells us, Jesus tells us that the message, the message that we should be telling people is, there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. Instead of saying, you are a sinner, we should be saying, God loves you and wants to be back in relationship with you. God loves you in such a marvelous way that he died on a cross for those very sins that you've committed so you can be back in relationship with God. Is there forgiveness of sins? By all means, uh, Paul says in Romans 8 that so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. We need to look at our own selves and see how we are falling short in following Jesus's example. We need to look at how we have broken our relationships with God and with our neighbors. And then we need to repent, which means turn away from that behavior back to the relationship with God. That is the message of the cross. And it's the message that Jesus tells us that we need to be proclaiming that yes, there is forgiveness for your sin. Whatever that sin is, whatever has broken that relationship between you and God or you and another, it can be forgiven. God forgives you. Now you can forgive others. Let us pray. Loving God, we thank you so much that you love us that you care for us, that Jesus came and showed us what a sinless life could be. And by your grace and your grace alone, we have been forgiven and that sin has no more power over us. We invite your Holy Spirit into our lives so that we can no longer hold on to the death of sin. Thank you for the blood of Jesus covering all of our sins. Help us to repent of however we are falling short. And especially if we're falling short by pointing out the sins of others. Help us to live as a community of faith that forgives, that picks up, and helps each other hit the mark of loving God and others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.